Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. It is a post-Father's Day edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Yeah, I actually can celebrate Father's Day. This That's year. right. Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Man, that's weird, yeah. We forgot and, to say it on the front end. tell but your friends, happy Father's Day, yeah. I forget to tell my brother happy Father's Day all the time because I forget he's a father. Yeah. He's been that way for like 18 years now. <laughs> so uh, happy my Father's mother. Day to all yeah. the dads out there. Hope it was a good one. It was a good one for me. Got some vacation time in. Uh, but I'm back and uh, ready to roll with this latest edition of the Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, uh, how's everything going, man? You you're, you got to be liking this rain. It's not the severe weather that we know you're uh, you're a freak for, but yes. uh, you know it's rain nonetheless. Yeah, no, I've been liking these storms. Been coming in, but summertime's great. Been uh, U.S. opening, seeing a lot of family. Also, my father it was his birthday this week. We had a cousin birthday, yeah. and then I have a my cousin Vinny, my little cousin had a kid. So you got a my re- cousin. You got a Vinny? Vince. Yes, he is oh, born in Austin. Great. Goes by Vinny, Vinny, and he's my cousin. I got an Uncle Tom. Oh, are you? So yes, no, I do. <laughs> Uncle Tom. And Rod, there's a Tom Babers. As Uncle cliche Tom. Yes. as it gets. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know people are like, oh, there's not. I don't know. It's so and great. And I have an Aunt Mary Jane. I right. swear to That's God. Cool. That is true. I have an Aunt Mary Jane. Full circle. Do you have an Aunt Tom? Uncle Tom. I have an Uncle Tom on my dad's side. He's Tom Babers. And Aunt Mary Jane is on my mom's side. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you life growing up for Tom Babers got pretty rough at times. Uh, well, he wasn't <laughs> an uncle yet. Wasn't an uncle yet, no, but, <laughs> but you can imagine. But he is my uncle. Like, yes. he is my uncle, Uncle Tom. Exactly. Guy. And my Aunt Mary Jane. That's why family's so Damn, great. I never thought about that. I got to bring it up on the show. That's yeah. crazy. All right. Well, that's... uh Just revealed that to my own self. It's one, of the, it's one of the many reasons why we like having him around. He uh, He's a renaissance man, a man of culture, uh, and he is our lockdown corner here on the show. Oh, Lifetime man. Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American. That's crazy. 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. If he knew where his T-ring was, he would wear it proudly. But nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts forever and ever. Mr. Rod Babers. Best intro I've ever had. Best intro I probably ever will have. And you know what I'm when I die before you mm-hmm. at my funeral, I'm going to need you to give the intro because that's a damn good intro. I'll do sure oh, that one. To make oh. sure I record it just in case <laughs> He's like, something goes wrong. And I don't know how everything's going to work out. I, yeah. I agree with you. It's like that. your yeah, first yeah. love is like no matter what, anybody who yeah. introduces you, you here go. going forward may make not sure, introduce yeah. you as well as Jeff. Well, that can, they, that's true. I can write it down. Rod, right, I can get ordained, and when you get married, I can do the ceremony and just we can roll. Uh, this we can is roll true, yeah. This is a good point, yeah. No, Getting ordained that. apparently is a pretty easy process. Like you, I know. You I've know, heard this. 35 have, bucks on like an online quiz. And, you can have anybody you yeah. want that can basically, what do you call it, minister your marriage? What is it, referee your marriage? Offi- officiate. You, officiate yep. your marriage? Yeah. Is that really the term? Officiate a wedding, yeah. something. Is yeah, no, really I mean, the chick is? that I went, uh, chick I went like to high school with more official. over at The Zone with us, she ended up becoming an ordained minister. Oh, so that, dude, that's be really cool. So you can get like legends to just like be your wedding like, official. Yes. Like oh. Marry this them. True. It's true. Um, so before we move on, I've got a uh, I've got a, a, a topic this week where we kind of hit a lull where we're, you know we don't do recruiting on this show. Uh, if you guys want your recruiting fix, uh, no interviews, please. Is uh, I've been getting a lot of compliments about no, and I've I listened to a few of their podcasts. Yeah. I got to start making a regular occasion. That's I EJ Holland and Mike Roach. That's our yeah. recruiting arm. They do it all. There, all both of us are actually both podcasts are on the V Sporto Network. If you get 
your podcast with Vsporto. Yeah. We're with Vsporto, so there's no interviews, please. So uh, multiple ways you can get your recruiting fix. Uh, you get your team side here. Um, but uh, before we get into this week's podcast, so we've hit kind of a lull. I've got something interesting I want to run by Rod, and that's going to dominate the conversation this week. A couple uh, kind of programming notes going forward. So we've got 4th of July comes up. Our normal recording day, if you nice. guys have figured it out by now, is on Wednesday. Yeah. 4th of July this year happens to fall on a Wednesday. So, and Matt's going to take some vacation time going to Colorado. Well deserved. Insert joke here. Cousin Um, Lazy. I know why you're going to Colorado. Family, baby. Oh, yeah. All right. Is it, is, it, is, it your cousin, is it your cousin whose name cousin is Laser? Yes. It's like, so oh, Cousin like, Laser. Of course Cousin Laser lives in Colorado. If there was an A in it. Cousin Laser Exactly. Lives so we yeah. got like me and my brother right between us, Cousin Laser. Okay. Cousin Laser. Yeah. So Uncle we've got Tom and Aunt Mary Jane. Rod yeah. might go see his Uncle Tom and his Aunt Mary Jane. And Rod's gonna, Matt's going to go see Cousin Laser. The bottom line is. Where does Uncle Tom reside? We, Louisiana. Uh, yeah. we've decided, and Aunt Mary Jane both. We've decided to shuffle some things around. So we're not going to have no show next week. And I was like, why? Why yeah. aren't you guys doing it next week? Because, because of the scheduling on. shuffle, we're going to record Monday, July 2nd, so yeah. that way we're not in here on the 4th or after. Everybody can take their vacation time. And then we'll go to uh, Monday, July 9th. Yep. We'll be our next show after that. And then the following week, actually, I believe after Big 12 Media Days is when we'll get back on the normal Wednesday schedule. When is that? Once again. That's coming up to, I believe it's late that uh, 16th, 17th. Oh, I hope I don't. I have a wedding like late July, so I'm hoping it doesn't it doesn't clash with that because uh, that's already done. My woman's going to be really upset. And <laughs> yep. gonna, Can't well, be no, no, no. She's not going to be upset. I have to go to the wedding because it's yes. already done. Prerequisite. Yeah. I've yeah, been, July 16th, 17th. I think I'm still good. I think I'm still good days. for that. I think I can do it both. Because yeah. of vacation, I'm mad at myself. I missed the uh, Angelo Coaches Clinic last week with oh, Nick Saban who and Jimbo. Speaking? Nick Saban, Jimbo Ooh. Fisher, Herb Hand was there. Also, yeah. Graham Harrell. Hey, man, it's a, a, it's a, hey, you're a father now. You yeah. get me? <laughs> it's a huge. You Angela, can't make every coach in Clinic. Angelo Clinic's a huge. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I, I you told can't my, do it, man. I told my wife though. I'm like, I'm still, I'm still got to go to coaching school. Hey, it's, <laughs> the re- it's the reason LeBron James may choose the Lakers. You know what I mean? Because you know what? My son may want to play with Scottie Pippen's son. And uh, who who else was it? It was like Kenya and Martin's son. Oh, the, yeah. you know the 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 you know. Okay, for those who don't know, Gary Payton. He said recently that. LeBron James' son, Bronny, who was LeBron James Jr., was already enrolled in a or high school yep. or enrolling in a high school in L.A., which is the same high school that the Jenners went to. It's like this hilarious. It's like Beverly Hills 90210, that kind right. of high school. And that Kenyon Martin's son and that also Scottie Pippen's son were playing on that basketball team and that, hey, that they're really good, and, hey, that's that's how we know LeBron's going there. It's all about the family now. I got priorities. Yes. Um, so, oh. you know, and that's one of the things that people have been talking about lately. But I, getting back to you, you got priorities now. Yes. <laughs> yes. LeBron's like, hey, man, the first two decisions were about me. This third decision may be about something. Enrolling where my kids are. Right. Where my kids are. Yeah. So just so you guys got it, let me run it down one more time. No show next week. Then we go Monday the 2nd. Monday the 9th, and then Wednesdays. Wednesday the 18th, uh, we're back, ripper and ready to go. Mondays. Talking Big 12 Media Days. And for those of you who are loyal Blitz listeners, which, by the way, there are people that didn't know the, the Blitz was back, that like we brought it back and we had it back all football On season and throughout all spring. Uh, they didn't know that until I actually filled in for Mike Roach on No Interviews, Please. <laughs> Because uh, Mike was sick and I had to fill in, um, so like yes, we are here. We still do exist. We have multiple platforms. Just if you're on the iTunes feed, the old iTunes feed does not exist anymore. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Being I'll updated. post something so too. We're on a yeah. new iTunes feed. We posted stuff to the board way back in football season, but we yeah. haven't done anything since then. So I can go in there it and post something to the board. It was done on the fly as well. Yes, it wasn't something that we thought about it was something that we had an opportunity to do something. right and hopefully fingers crossed with uh the backing of aaron hogan lee Hudson, everybody here at arn yeah. and the horn It'll just um, continue to grow. we uh yeah we got we got some things in the work yeah. some irons and trying fire. to get out there amongst the people exactly we start doing some of these with the people hanging out right and meeting the, the fans we're definitely working yeah. on getting more interactive uh, that's something eric reigns up here is helping us with so austin radio network has been nothing but great for us uh moving our podcast it's, over here it's damn good company Exactly. Um, so hopefully everybody's got those programming notes down. So, Rod, I wanted to spend this week talking about something that uh, it got my football pants excited. My sports pants got excited oh, when I read yeah. this a couple of Ooh, weeks I ago. Think I may know you're coaching about. bike shorts. Yeah, yeah my mm-hmm. bike shorts and the skull cans rattling yeah, in the back pants. pocket and the yeah. coaching shirt with spit juice on I think I may know it. where you're going here. So I may not trust a football coach in pants. I saw too. this post from Dennis Dodd a, 
uh, about a week or so oh, maybe ago. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it was a while back. What were you thinking, Ron? Uh, uh, you go ahead first. Okay. Okay. I'll come up with mine okay. later. I don't want to get too sidetracked. And it, it's, it, it, was an, it was an article Dennis Dodd passed along. And uh, let me see his tweet. Um, this was back on, I guess, June 7th, so it's been a while now. It said, okay. according to this interesting breakdown of 12 personnel, look for Texas to use more two tight end sets this season in response to more three down looks in the Big 12. So I clicked on the link, and it was a – What is that? It was a guy. Interesting. It was a guy that uh, kind of – he's a senior research manager for XNO Labs. He's got this thread on Huddle. And apparently oh. he he spent some time on the 40 acres this spring. Hey, watch that. What's this guy's name? Let me use uh, – what's his name? Rod, I will email you this link okay, right I now I know while I'm thinking well, no, about no, it. Not, not that I don't believe what he's saying. I wanna Now I want to do research on his stuff because he's, he's obviously I'll, I'll got some intel. You know what I mean? Um, so, so we should be looking at. If he's, I mean, that, so I'll pull I, it up. We've all, could we all make our type, our analysis of what Texas should be right. doing and what they are going to do in our projections, prognostications, and we throw our analysis out there. So I just want to know who he is too, because, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, this guy spent some time. Informed. This guy spent some time on the forty acres this, this spring, and. Uh, was with Derek Wareheim, and I'm trying to find the – okay, so here it is. He said, we spent part of the spring – he's talking about 12 personnel and the advantages of it and, you know, goes over some trends. And then he gets to uh, Texas. He says, we spent – uh, we spent part of this spring in Austin at the University of Texas and noted this trend firsthand. Talking about 12 personnel. The Longhorns have previously prided themselves on 11 personnel groupings. Head coach Tom Herman used 11 personnel in over 90% of the snaps last season. Yeah, uh, but now transitioned into using, utilizing more two tight end sets. Uh, according to tight ends coach Derek Wareheim, the reasoning was twofold. Texas now has at least two versatile tight ends in its system. And with the advent of three down fronts in the Big 12, it becomes necessary to get, quote, bigger people on the field. Uh, this is Derek Wareheim. Uh, they can't play those three down, drop eight schemes against 12 personnel, uh, so they put base back on the field. Can we assume that the versatile tight ends they're talking about, at least two, if, of course, are Reese Latow and, and Kate Brewer? Kate Brewer. Okay. Uh, yeah, Andrew Beck you'd also throw in there. I don't know if I'd throw Andrew Beck in there. Let's be honest. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, think, I don't think of him as a versatile tight end. Okay. I think of him as a – as a a competent piece, okay, all right. As a competent tight end, a versatile tight end. I think of a guy that he can also More be the linebacker, guy. right? Okay, be the so that's Brewer, that's like what Irby was. Yeah, I don't see, I don't see, I don't see Beck. Okay, so let's let's maybe you my Elps, Elps coming in that could be that, but I don't see Beck as that. For argument's sake, we'll say Brewer and Leto. I say Brewer okay. and Leto. Okay, um, so Rob, this got me thinking. Like, I don't think this is gonna be something that revolutionizes the conference in terms of okay now is is everybody just going to start going back to like two tight end sets and trying to run the ball and and shorten the game I don't think that's the case but this is one of those interesting deals where it's kind of like there's a punch and then a counter punch in this league all the time and what you're to me when when you look at what kind of started this trend it was how do you defend these spread offenses? Like what what was how do you how do you stop them? How do you slow them down? And we saw like some coordinators had some success with trying to slow down these these offenses. Yeah. But nobody really quote unquote figured it out. Nobody figured it out. And I don't think anybody really has it figured out. But I think go back to the Texas Iowa State game last year and Iowa State, because of their personnel and what they felt they needed to do is they started running the three down front and dropping eight. We Amen. saw them do that against Texas, yeah. and we saw teams do that late in the year. Go back to the 2016 season. We saw teams do that late in the year. We talked about this with our Shane Bouchelle, Sam Ellinger discussions the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Saw teams do that against Shane Bouchelle. They were just bringing three, dropping eight, and say, hey, let the young kid try to figure out where he needs to go with the football and beat us. And we saw that was when the offense really bogged down and things slowed down and they weren't able to move the ball consistently like they had been. Even with Deontay Foreman averaging, you know, uh, 130-something yards a game or whatever it ended up being, whatever he ended yeah. up rushing for down the stretch. So take all that into consideration, and that was kind of the counterpunch for defensive coordinators. Okay, at least we figured out this one kind of this one kind of combination of front and coverage that can at least slow teams down, right? But Todd Orlando basically had that and had it on, no, you know, slight intended, had it on steroids, really, with what Texas was able to do yeah. with that lightning package. Because 
Texas. You're Texas. You have better personnel than everybody else in the conference. You can you can gamble a little bit more. We maybe run more man coverage than other teams otherwise would out of that thing. And you've got better, you know, more athletic, more versatile safeties that can cover more ground and more options. You know, you've got two Dobermans in terms of how they're able to hawk people down at linebacker with Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson. So basically. You're doing what everybody else is doing. You're just able to do it better. With, with, our, with everybody else doing it, you have the versatility of Jason Halls and Bonnie's and Malik Jefferson. Even an Antoine Davis, Johnson. who's a bigger Antoine body Davis. at nickel. Yeah. yeah, you have more versatility. Nobody else has that. Those guys couldn't even see the field unless you were playing your dime package. Right. Like, they wouldn't even – those guys, we would be like, you know, those guys can't even see the field. But because of the, uh, you know, the culture of the Big 12, now – that gives them that opportunity, which is why I think they're they're recruiting the best DBs in the country too. Very true. And going forward, and the type of analogy you used was spot on because when I was attacked by a dog, it was a Doberman. <laughs> there you go. He, he was. Oh, like, man, that's did, most accurate. Did one he cover? Did he cover some ground, man? Oh, oh yeah, another one. about yeah. a thousand stitches, a lot of plastic surgery. Yes, sir. Oh, geez. oh okay, that's actually not funny. <laughs> um, yeah, we're having that's a serious. joke at Matt's expense. Yeah, 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 we got we got it went dark real quick. That, that's that's serious. Transparency, my friend. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy, dude. Wow. So, right, I started thinking that was the that was the kind of the counterpunch. Now it's up to offenses. Okay, now we got to figure out a way to counterpunch, and it seems to me. Based on what Texas is looking at, according to this article, 12 personnel is going to be the way that you kind of counteract that. Now, what really got me thinking about where this is headed is I read this article about 12 personnel, and right around the same time, Oklahoma gets a commitment from a kid named Marcus Hicks, who's a defensive end mm-hmm. out of Kansas, out of Wichita. Mm-hmm. And Texas, Texas was recruiting him. And... You know, I was, I was talking to somebody, and, and we're talking after the commitment happened. He goes, you know, this really isn't a big deal for Texas because I've, I've seen Marcus Hicks, and he doesn't really fit kind of what Orlando does with the three-down looks and being versatile. I mean, he's a true 4-3 end. And in the conversation, it comes up that Oklahoma wants to start using more four-down looks to kind of combat teams going small. Maybe you can go four-down, and then also you're going to need to go more four-down if teams start using more 12 personnel. So I'm thinking, okay, our defense is now already looking at Teams are recruiting, you know, you look at Texas recruiting tight ends. You know, Matt Rule kind of wants to be more of a smash out type guy at Baylor. You know what K-State kind of does, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State's going to have to reinvent themselves. So you start piecing all this together. You know, Matt Campbell's a spread guy, but he wants to have that kind of physical edge to it. So when I look, when I hear about what Oklahoma's doing, our defensive coordinator is already saying, okay, here comes the counterpunch. Now we got to counter with something else, and we're going to do it by using more four-down looks going forward. So it just kind of got my wheels thinking about where defense is in the Big 12 now and where it's going and how quickly we might see some really good punch-counterpunch between offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators in the, the, NBA in, switching right in now, the league this year. The DBs are going to be in that you can actually – that versatility, once you get to the point that you can be the thing that's malleable and be able to make the mismatch that you want, then the counter is going to come back, so we're going to see that continue those skill sets are going to be more uh, more plentiful on the field you're going to see more of those guys out there but then it'll be the better coaches or the better skill that actually separates because then it does just come down to which mismatch you perceive to be your best but the others are also trying to do the yeah, same this is good news bad news for texas because the good news is because um, i agree with matt you're going to a point where now multiplicity is something that's going to be more valued because you got a Malcolm Roach on your defense. Well, hell, you can go to a from a four from a four man front to a three man front. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he's a guy that can you can go from a you know from a four uh, you know kind of a four two five. You can go from that to kind of a you know kind of a three a three man look like almost within the you know within the down itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other teams also can recruit those types of players, and some of those players, as you know, Jeff. Aren't the most highly recruited players? A lot of these guys with versatility fall between the, They're between all those, the cracks. Yeah, because Tweeners. teams teams have their kind of set uh, like protocols and like they, they're really yep. regimented and they're really like uh, I was I would say almost a little too stubborn uh-huh. on what they perceive to be this type of position and uh, this type of skill set to fit this position. And if you're still talking about looking at versatility, then truly, like, the visionaries, mm-hmm. the the guys who actually, I think Todd Orlando's mm-hmm. in that category, that can look at a guy and say, all right, you know what? I think I can see this guy playing this type of position. I can project going forward and then maybe develop that player into that. But I think it also, I mean, that brings it back 
I think it brings back like a regression to the mean for Texas because if you're in Texas, you know you want to you want to rely on getting the best talent in the state, mm-hmm. period, and then then being able to rely on that. Now, if you have to get the best talent in the state, that's also the most versatile pieces in the state. That's a harder job. Yeah. You know what I mean? It used to be easier to be like, you know what? I want to get the best wide receiver in the state. Who's the best wide receiver in the state? It's Roy freaking Williams. Well, we got him. Done. B.J. Johnson is that done. You need to find your Earl Thomas now. But if I find my slot receiver, which has now become prioritized and value, <laughs> right. that's hard to find. Yeah. Who's going to be my, oh, I, I know what the best, you know what I mean? Colin Jones are easy. Like, hell yeah, that guy's 6'6", six, six, I want him. Bring him here. And then the right. market's the, saturated with you know, them, the all Lou these Jordan other Humphrey, guys. I don't know where he was rated or whatever, but to me. He was like a low four-star type guy. Exactly. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know what? No, no, no. I, to me, that may become more valued and prioritized in the Big 12 because he makes you multiple from down to down. You can turn him into a, what uh, what what Buckner was for Texas mm-hmm. and what was, the other, what was the other guy that. Well, there was Malcolm. Williams before, but he was more of a yeah, vertical Yeah, but they threat. used him kind of like a split tight end slash well, wide receiver. Flex tight end. Flex yeah. tight end. You know what I mean? There's more things you can do with him. Uh-huh. And I, so I think it's weird the way it's going to work out. I agree with you. It, it's going to be, it's good for Texas because we got Malcolm Roach and you got Brecken Hager. You got a lot of those versatile pieces. But now, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, a guy who's really, really savvy, hell, he can start identifying those pieces. And Gary Patterson has already been on the cutting edge right. of identifying those really now, versatile pieces so that may that make that may uh it may close the gap which brings you know me to I mean? the Oklahoma the talent disparity which yeah no that, that te- yeah. Texas is supposed to take advantage of so let's look at it from that Oklahoma, Oklahoma standpoint too. if Oklahoma wants to go more four down looks and cr- recruit to a more traditional kind of four not necessarily four three look but what a traditional four down yeah. look is Oklahoma can do that because they can go recruit better kids, better personnel yes. than TCU or Oklahoma State or yeah, certainly exactly. Iowa State can. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, which I agree with. But if you got a really smart player, if you got a really smart person to build a program it. like uh, you know, K State, I mean, let's get it. well. I mean, and that's you, the main thing. Knowing what yeah, I think yeah, it's going to come down to the guys that can actually identify what is needed, identify those skill sets yes. that others aren't necessarily perceiving as some guy that's oh, that's a detriment. He's the tweener. No, that's going to fit two ways. Now we have manufactured depth somewhere. Yeah. And like, think about the way that you look at a few other different teams that had came up in the past, and you would see the Joneses just totally separate whenever those things happen. In like, well, we saw Earl Tom at the time when he came into the league in the NFL and the identification process because not everybody thought he'd be all pro but being able to have that position versatility really made me think about of a way that Akina in the Big 12 was exactly what you were saying you need to f- find the guy that sort of sees the it's value the in something the we visionary down the road the and you want to have every DB yeah. with corner skills and safety it doesn't matter if you're a safety you can yeah. be a safety but you need to have corner skills because when we get mismatched it's basically going to come down to which guy from the middle of the field stuck on the freak tight end or the quick running back out of the backfield and those offensive coordinators the best coaches that I can identify those pieces are going to put those guys in those mismatches and win those most of the time Texas and Oklahoma will always once I once they identify what the culture is even if they're behind it they can always catch up because once they because say they get, that, get even the best at that point when yeah. Oklahoma wins the national title mm. with the spread with the air raid offense essentially of Mike Leach mm-hmm. then Texas the uh, coach Aquino that's the uh, that's the evolutionary adaptation like okay 08, all right yeah. you know what they got four wide receivers on the field man they're they're speeding up the pace we need cover guys at every place on the field as many as possible why Adrian Phillips was that's so why good. Nathan Basher was really kind of the the yeah, first, first stepping one. stone of that it was like no this guy can play huff. safety and play corner he's just a DB yeah. and then you get your huff daddies and then your Michael Griffins mm. and then you know what I mean those guys who just can play damn near anything on the field and Earl Thomas I think is the pinnacle of DBU and the evolutionary adaptation so where it's going now, I don't think it's that much different. I mean, it was all about versatility back then, and I think now in the Big 12 it's still going to be now you're going to prioritize versatility. I wrote a piece for Horns 24-7, I swear, like four or five years ago when Charlie Strong, when he had – remember Devin Air Clarington yeah. and DeAndre oh, McNeil? One about the uh, – and, and I said, dude, those two guys, if you move them both to like tight end and flex tight end – that they could end up being the uh, really kind of the, the stepping stone to what the offensive identity should be for Texas. What the Patriots had with me Rob, of, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Yes. Yeah. 
Exactly. Mm. That, that, that is exactly the parallel I made because they give you versatility on every down. You can split them out. You can put them in, you know, down in, you know, down in, in like a running formation in terms of them blocking. You can put them in their hands in the dirt. You can split them out. You can split one out and make one an H-back with one a fullback, whatever. And that versatility, and that's what Texas had in 2004 mm-hmm. yeah. with Bo Scaife and David Thomas. This ain't, this ain't going to be a new idea. This is going to be something that's already been done before. I mean, yeah. that's what Texas did in 04. That's what you want then. It's how you want to utilize Bo Scaife and David Thomas. That's right. it. Just like you said, Texas this year is going to end up being 08. At, if, they, if they reach their apex, then, you know, then Sam Ellington can somehow replicate even close to it what Colt McCoy did in 2008 when he led Texas in passing and rushing. But you have two predominantly – uh, I would say elite wide receivers on the outside in Colin Johnson, who could project it to be a first round pick if everything works out, and Lil Jordan Humphrey, who's a versatile piece on the outside like Quan Cosby and Jordan Shipley. And then in the backfield, not a dominant rushing attack, but still versatile pieces. Exactly. Service, serviceable Move the pieces. Change, Move dump change, it off Trey to Watson, Chris Obanaya, that kind of thing. They allow you, the, the backfield is versatile. You know I mean? It allows so, you to look at those individual yeah. skills. How the NFL uses running back right now. You, you want a hybrid then. You want to be able to be 2008 at one point, and then you want to also be able to be 2004 Texas at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, those 08 would have taken pieces. a tight end. Because that, that 2004 offense, man, for Texas was unbelievable, unbelievably right. versatile because of those two chess pieces, David Thomas and Bo Scaife. Well, I remember. think about Jermichael Finley, if he would have came back and Irby wasn't injured. That's sort of what the visionary was for 08. It just yeah. never came they to had fruition. A dominant rush but I, I'll never forget, man. Though, yeah. Rod, you talk about that 04 season, man, and as good as it was, the one play I'll never forget where it really clicked for me, okay, this is what it's been building to. There's a play in that Rose Bowl game against Michigan, and I remember – it's it's a VY rollout, and I I remember him rolling out, and I remember like them breaking it down on TV, and they're like, "Look at this! It's like, it's VY, and then the linebackers like ten yards closing in, and then there's David Thomas like 12, 15 yards over the top. It's, like, it's like you're you're putting your line, you're putting linebackers and safeties in conflict all the time. Well, what do you do? You come up, he dumps it to David Thomas. You Run stay and cover option. David Thomas. VY is right. running for twenty yards. That's exactly. when you're like in RPOs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that is an RPO. Like, yeah. Did you see the, the uh, completion? But I remember, I remember watching that RPOs game, and I was like half or seventy-eight percent in the NFL last year. I was half yeah. hung over on my way to getting yeah. drunk again while watching that game, and I remember it just like clicked. I'm like. Oh my God! Like this is what they've been building Vince Young for this Vince Young offense. This is what it's been building to. This right here, yeah. And this is what 05 is going to look like. That's exactly what it is. I think Bo Scaife was kind of a leftover piece from um, the elite. Like the he's kind of a leftover piece from like the elite recruiting days because Bo Scaife came in with me in '99. <laughs> for that group, remember? So Bo had the injury, like two injury. I think we uh, did the red shirt seven, years even before that, but he was still degrees on campus. And, and people forget he was the number one tight end in the country when he was coming out. So he was still cold. He wasn't as cold as he should have been, you know what I mean? Because he had two knee surgeries even before that. But yeah, he had leftover piece, so he was a luxury. But you, I think they recruited David Thomas for that vision. I think they did. And you look, go look at that backfield. I think that backfield is kind of recruited for that vision of Vince Young. Like that's mission from this kind of 04 parallel that we're trying to make with this group. But the two – and I've said it before, the most important piece to Tom Herman's pro-spread vision is the tight end position because the tight end position is going to give him the ability to become either 12 personnel to 11 personnel to – 20 personnel like he can do it from down to down depending on how savvy his quarterback yeah. is and how much he is uh you know how, how how much he is uh implemented and how much he is familiar with the system that he has it, what's interesting when you start thinking rod and you look at this 12 personnel article and you start thinking about it and then you start thinking big picture and you mentioned the tight end position i agree with you but i think the slot position plays a lot of that also with what texas wants to be and i know we're talking yeah. about 12 personnel but when you're really good, when you're when you're good enough at slot and you're good enough at tight end to where it doesn't matter if you want to show 11 personnel or 12 personnel, you can get into any damn personnel look you want to based on the pieces you have. I think back to that team Tom Herman was the coordinator for at Ohio State where you had, yes, you had Zeke Elliott, yes, you had three dominant quarterbacks and you had good receivers, but what you also had, you had two NFL tight ends yep. and you had – some dudes at that slot position, whether it was Jalen Marshall or Philly Brown or Dontre Wilson, whoever, 
you had elite dynamic playmakers at that slot position. And what that allowed you to do, I'll never forget this, watching Ohio State and Alabama. And Ohio State ran like the same inside zone play mm. like eight different times. They just showed eight different formations out of it and eight different looks, but yeah. it was the same damn play. Yeah. yeah. And because you have those guys. It was like that, in the third quarter and they just ran down for a TD. Yeah. And because you have this, those guys on the outside that can threaten and those got to keep those safeties back to help those cornerbacks because you don't want them in straight up man to man situations with no help at all. That's why, yeah, you can look, you can run the inside zone, not the same look, seven, right. eight straight to your point, row, You know what I mean? To your point specifically with personnel and why you look more Leto and Brewer than you do Beck. If Andrew Beck lines up as like a flex tight end, I don't think he really scares anybody. No. And that's no I, knock I on Andrew Beck. I leave my linebacker on. That's right. basically what Rod was saying at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Right. But if, if you flex out, Cade Brewer or Reese Leto, um, you've got to pull either a linebacker out of the box or pull a safety down to cover him, one or the other. Man, yeah, I, honestly, I'd, I'd feel confident with a safety. I don't know if I'd feel confident with a linebacker. But you got to do something. You've got to yeah. adjust. You can't you just adjust. leave him unaccounted yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Got to account for that guy. Well, and then you brought up the slot receiver, and if we're talking about like the run-pass option, but just when you look at some of the best teams in the NFL, that people like Aaron Rodgers does it with Randall Cobb all the time, where you basically have that slot guy, he shows that slant, but then he's going to just spin out and be the guy in the flat on the weak side of the play so if you do pull out of it wide open and if you mentally are the type of player that can identify pre-snap basically be a quarterback at the no. line of scrimmage and see it it's basically indefensible you know oklahoma did this the guy yeah the I mean, spinner out sterling Mar- shepherd mark andrews and then like was it dimitri flowers, flowers? Yeah. He, yeah. dimitri flowers is essentially an h-back mark right. andrews mm-hmm. is a, supposed to be a true tight end but you know what i mean they would he have him and move him around mm-hmm. they would flex him so they they would and those uh-huh. I, I gotta go. I wish we could look at like the actual snaps between those guys, and go look at go look at Oklahoma snaps, Oklahoma football reference stats, uh-huh. and go see snaps yeah. and see how many offensive snaps Dimitri Flowers end up playing and Mark Andrews. I guarantee you, both of them are probably in the top seven or eight. You know what I mean? Because they were always on the field at once, and they made them multiple. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. I think that's kind of what you want. That's what Aaron Hernandez was for. I don't know why. I always make Aaron Hernandez references. He's perfect. As well, a, I mean, him and Kellen know, Winslow are two of the guys that are the prototype of that Aaron mold. Hernandez in that Urban Meyer offense, that's exactly what he was. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's exactly the threat. And that's why Bill Belichick loved him because Bill Belichick, he was a lot backfield with Bill Ed. He had Percy Harvin. They would, they would move him around, which is what the you Riley want for Texas. Vertical. Yeah, so it's not that different. You can find examples of it all throughout uh you know, kind of the offensive uh, evolutions all throughout the most recent uh, annals of college football. You just want snap numbers for well, Oklahoma I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, just looking. I'm just trying to figure out. Like, I remember Dimitri Flowers and Mark Andrews being on the field a lot. If the yeah. internet here Not, cooperates, it, I have it for you. Any second. Right, yeah. Do I have that right? Wasn't he the fullback? Yeah, he was a full. He was a fullback, but I mean, they used him. Yeah, Mark Andrews almost had a thousand yards receiving. Nine hundred fifty-eight receiving. Damn, I didn't realize. Yeah, I don't see snaps right really here. All right, um, I'm looking that. right now. That's crazy. So this is Oklahoma snap totals last year according to Pro Football Focus. There you go. Uh, Mark Andrews had the third. Let's let's see. No, I gotta sort this by total snaps. That's yeah, by grade. Uh, yeah. Just, Still though, sixty-two receptions, nine hundred fifty-eight yards. He's he was on the field, on the field more than anybody. Every... He led the team in receptions. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then Dimitri Flowers was fourth on the team in receptions, and then I bet he got a good full amount of runs too. Yeah. All right. So, so other than let's see, there's a bunch of linemen. Like you're because yeah, Oklahoma you wasn't that deep on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Baker Mayfield's up there with like so. I bet Andrews almost has like the ninety percent of the snaps. Both of them were over five hundred snaps. Andrews yeah. was almost seven hundred snaps, six ninety six. What are wow. the linemen? And at? Flowers was at five eleven. There you go. Evan uh, Eric Rand had the most snaps, uh, nine forty-seven. Boom! So yeah, ninety percent. Bobby Evans nine thirty-five. Orlando yeah. Brown nine twenty-seven. Baker Mayfield eight ninety-three. So this is a perfect. That, that Lincoln Riley's offense, the versatility. That was two pieces. Yes. I guarantee you. I was going to see like how many snaps they were on the field together, but I guarantee you it was probably five hundred plus, plus snaps then. And then, then you the bring up together. right there, Andrews. And you look at that. Yeah, you look at that versatility. You can move those guys around. That's what Texas essentially wants. You know mm. what I mean? Like you, you just need versatility at this point. As Matt was pointing out, deep and you, and you just brought up defenses are going to adjust. So when they adjust, you need versatility because that then it's all about matchups. Mm-hmm. Can this guy win that matchup? Do I like 
Do I like Mark Andrews with this safety uh, backed up off from hell? Right. Yes, I do. That's why I like do the. I di- li- you know, do I like Colin Johnson in a one-on-one out there? All day, every day. Look Think at the about, diversity of skill sets of the Texas receivers, too. It's so much better for an offensive coordinator to have the 6'6 piece, to have the speedster in Duvernay, the track to have star the, on the hybrid running back yeah. wide receiver. So if you are a coach that likes to exploit matchups, we're getting a lot That's more the Big chess pieces in, right there. In and another nutshell. thing worth pointing out, since we've always talked about how integral tight end play is, the de- way Texas hasn't had it for so long, we just pointed out that Andrews played up, I don't know, 80 90% of snaps. That's yeah. a ton, man. Like a perfect example is the Cowboys aren't going to realize how crazy because Jason Witten was one of the few players in all yeah. the NFL that played all snaps. Like I'd say there's 10 guys maybe in the league that Spend play time. all snaps, like play the amount that a uh, offense alignment plays. Him being gone is so huge, and it's the same idea why Texas's offensive identity, when you have something that seems to be so reliable, like an Andrews, that you can just count on to be there for a 1,000 yards and all your snaps, it really helps everything else around it. If you're missing that piece always, then it's going to make it a lot harder to, to manufacture. To, to add to your point, the Cowboys have played 10 personnel less than 1% of their snaps the last three years. Yes. Which is just one back and four wide receivers. Why? Because Jason freaking Witten ain't leaving the field. He plays all snaps. He's a Hall of Famer, so he's always going to play. That's why they brought Tava and Austin in. Yeah. Because it was like, we need he's versatility. He's going to be our guy at times. We're just going to go 11 personnel. We may have him in the backfield. They call him the RPO web. joystick. They say he's a web back. <laughs> but they're going to move him around. So right. now the Cowboys are going to be in four wides. TCU, TCU loses. They, they do quads, which yeah. I love. They do four wide receivers on one side of the field. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which nobody else in the like dialogue. I was like, why doesn't everybody do that? Because if you're a defensive back, I freak the f out. Who's going where? If you're doing four, exactly. It's like what I have a quarter hell? of a field. We have three am guys I supposed on the side. Am I reading number two or number three? Do you want me to? What if that number four wide receiver decides he's going to do a an a, a out route? You know, what I mean, kind of a lazy out route, and we're in zone coverage. What the hell do you want me to do? An you NBA I mean? screen, I, I, one screen screws up entire NBA defenses. Man. You're talking about four screens, yeah, you're right? About there. Multiple screens. <laughs> We're doing what the Golden State Warriors do. With those quads, Rod, with those quads. It's like that movie Varsity Blues has come to life. Like TCU's running the oop-de-oop. Like it's really, right? it's, it's really, like, what the hell this gonna, is where we've evolved to. Who's <laughs> reading what? You basically got to treat that third, that that fourth wide receiver like he's on, he's in, it's more of the other formation on the other side. So I don't, I'm, I'm with you on the Big 12, man. I think That's the cool stuff to think about. At this point, they just start thinking outside the box. That's why Todd Orlando does really, really well and bring it back to reality. Yeah, who knew James Vanderbeek had the clue to figure out how to <laughs> maximize your offense in the Big 12 all I don't along. want your life. Oh, uh, but I, <laughs> But Rod, getting getting back to that, you know, honestly, quick side sidebar. That's a movie I'm scared to watch now because I'm afraid I'm going to watch it now and it's going to be terrible. And oh, I, 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 I want to, yeah. I, I want to remember it the, the way it was, it the man. Second I saw it. This is true. You know what's like that? To me? You know, I don't know if you ever seen Belly. No. Yeah, with okay. Nas and DMX. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Don't watch it again. I would like to watch it. Don't watch the it. level of humor inside. Because <laughs> I was like, you ever, you ever like beg your woman to watch a movie and that you like, watch oh. back in it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> you, she was like, I don't want to watch the movie. I, and then you're like, baby, you're gonna learn it. And then you sit out and watch it like. Damn, it actually ain't that good. I, I was an adolescent I male when <laughs> I thought this that's, was cool. I dude, was a that is, yeah, I had that experience with Belly recently. That's awesome. I was like, yeah. I'm sorry, baby. My buddy, Chris, actually, my buddy Chris Dukes and I, Rod, you met Chris. Chris and I, we were roommates together at college, yeah. and we, you know, it was one Saturday, you're sitting around drinking, like, hey, Demolition Man's on, let's watch it, man. That movie was great. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, man, this is yes. garbage. This is garbage. Yes. Oh. That's what started, right? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, Demolition Man is garbage. No, yeah. And, yeah, I agree with you on All that. All Steven yeah. Seagal's just throw him in there. Like, there's a yes, whole bunch of those. There's Jean-Claude Van Damme movies that yes. you thought was so good. And, Rod, I forgot Nostalgia, to tell you this, man. man. My wife and I were watching a movie. I forget the name of it. It's Gerard, it's, uh, Gerard Butler and, like, some other guys, and it's, like, a heist movie. Oh, And yeah. I was like, oh, the previews look good. And then guess what I saw in it? 50 cents in it. I'm like, there's no oh, way that this movie can't be know. good now. It's like, well, you know what, Finney's. Get rich. It's the, Rod, it's the Rod, Rod Babers. It's the Rod no, Babers tried and true movie theory. Dude, 50 Cent is in your did movie. Did 50 Cent even good. mess up like an Al Pacino, yes. Robert De Niro oh, movie? Was it Righteous Kill? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was like, dude. And I, I was like, this is going to be great. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Dude, you, go, man, you can't get better than that. And I was like, you got to oh, put it on Pacino and no, De Niro cash grab right there. You know what I mean? It was. Yes. <laughs> it was not. It was not heat. Just so like, you remember that movie with like Sylvester though. Stallone where he was like, he the, he's the guy that got like broke out of prisons professionally. And then he's like oh, locked in that yes. cargo ship or whatever. And, and yeah. All the Schwarzenegger was in the 
Didn't they have a didn't they have a sequel to that? No, no, you're thinking you're thinking about the expendables. No, dude, I'm telling you, I remember Was there a sequel to that movie? I think that was like a that think that was like a no, no. I mean, so, I remember. Oh this. man, I would hope this not. Is Arnold no, movie? you're right. I think you know you. I'm thinking about the Expendables. Sorry, <laughs> this is Hollywood's fault. It's not my fault. You're right. I'm thinking about the because <laughs> he was in jail in some in a scene during the Expendables too. Yeah, and that's when he met up with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Yeah, sorry. So I apologize. Anyway, <laughs> so but basically, what you're gonna learn what from this edition of the Blitz movie. people is kind of Big Twelve coordinators chess matching each other, and that if Fifty Cent is in your movie, there's no way it can be good. It just can't. yes. So no, yeah, Fifty Cent is in the movie. Please just uh, red box it. Do not go see that damn movie. Okay? <laughs> um. Anyway, to uh, I want a couple things to kind of finish off the discussion. Rod, you talk about the versatility of tight ends, and I, I'm. The one play you mentioned, Mark Andrews in Oklahoma, the one play I went back to was the, touch, oh, the game-winning touchdown pass last year against Texas. And, uh, you know, Chip Brown had a write-up on our side that actually did a really good job breaking it down because it's got quotes from Brandon Jones and P.J. Locke and Tom Herman um, where basically OU had two receivers on that side of the field. They had Mark Andrews in the slot with Marquise Brown out wide. And they run kind of a – Oh, they went a, a wheel post, It was a post-wheel combo. Wheel? Yeah, I yeah. remember that. And they did that. nobody carried the wheel. It was a mental mistake. Mm-hmm. But Andrews, normal look, if a normal tight end catches that, it's probably like he's down where he catches it. But because Andrews is so damn versatile, it's a fifty nine yard touchdown and you lose the game. Man, I remember that play. And that you right, that's just that's just bad eyes and I mean everybody switches the wheel route. Mm. Everybody. There is nobody that to, it's very rare you're gonna have them carry the wheel route unless you just you just straight up man to man cut. Even in man, usually we call we used to call it the buddy system. Buddy, buddy, mm-hmm. buddy. If they're even close, it looks like they're gonna wheel. And they always give it away. When you look at it on when you look at it on the field, you're like, oh man, those guys are really far away. When you look at it on film, it's always like, like oh, damn, why didn't I call the buddy? They're really close together. And the coach is like, why didn't they call the buddy? Read the keys. Read the keys. You read it number two, man. Read it number two. So yeah, I mean, you gotta every everybody usually switches that route. Hey, team your buddy. You know what I mean? Especially with Mark Andrews because he's so versatile. You're right. like, no, no. Basically, we're doubling him in a sense. Yeah. Basically, whatever he does, that's gonna determine what we do because he is the guy we're reading. Right. Yeah. So, Rod, to kind of wrap up this discussion on 12 personnel, I mean, I don't think it's going to take over the league like you said, but I, I go back to something Mac Brown said, and I think it's something that Mac thought too hard on and spent too much time thinking about yeah, that was a detriment to the overall product, which he was worried about situations where late in games when you need to grind some clock and shorten the game, you're unable to, especially in this league, because everybody's tempo, everybody's spread. But if you're a team that's able to get into 12 personnel, in theory, you know, if you've got a, a, a you know, let's say a three-point a field goal lead with seven minutes left and, you know, you're on the minus 25, man, you should be good to go just kind of chopping away at that thing. It's not about speeding up the tempo. Because that became the trend, right? right? Chip Kelly and Art Browse, like, oh, speed! Those guys are extremely, you know, they're speeding up the the the, the, you know, the pace of the game, and that is showing that that is showing they're exploiting the uh, exhausted defense and the the lack of conditioning on the defense, which they were. But it's not really about that because there are flaws within that philosophy right. as well. What it's about is controlling the pace. Mm-hmm. So if I want to speed it up, hell yeah, I'm going to speed it up. It's kind of like sex. If I want to speed it up, I'm going to speed it up. If I'm going to slow it down, I'm going to slow it down. You know what I mean? You can't just go jackhammer all the time because that ain't fun either. She ain't going to like that. I can tell you that right now. Can't just be a tortoise. You you got to change up. You know what I mean? So that's what you you want about control. You want to be able to control the pace. And that's what the Warriors with KD can do now. They control the pace. You know what I mean? They they go down. They want to speed it up and go down and throw it up within 10 seconds of the shot clock they can. Or if they want to go down and milk you and then throw it to KD with eight seconds left on the shot clock, you're still screwed because they control the pace. And now. they're controlling Which, your substitutions. That's the big you know part. I mean? You're let's, getting let's yards forget, and moving. Let's not forget this factor. The, the herb hand factor in all of this when you yeah. talk about controlling tempo, which I think is key because I think that's one of the reasons – and and we'll never really know, but I think that's one of the biggest reasons why Art Braz tried to pick Gus Malzahn's brain because Gus Malzahn is one of the few spread guys who's really good about controlling tempo and understands that you yeah. can't go balls to the wall all the time. All the time. Know when to put the pressure on. Because Auburn has three different kinds of tempo. They yeah. have their green tempo, which means they foot on the gas, we're going. 
yellow tempo, which means, okay, just a normal, mm, steady, pace. steady pace. And then red, which you means we're in a situation we're where we're going to slow down, down, grind to a halt, because we're trying to run some clock or there's a situation that calls for us to really, really And, and what helps you do that? Tight ends and running game. Mm-hmm. And if Auburn, you want to control the pace, you have to have tight ends and a running game. And Either Auburn's way, been able to have those. Pace. And then you're probably yeah. going to go green only when you have the mismatch, when you have the one type of exploiting you know, matchup that you'd want to take advantage of and don't want them to sub out because the second you slow down the pace, you bring up the ability to substitute. Usually, you know, and we heard Sterling Gilbert talk about this, and this is what I heard from the Browse offense, and this is something Malzahn also believed in. Really, you you don't really get into to that green tempo until you get that first first down. Like that first first down, that's like that's, that's your the momentum equi- booster. That's the equivalent, of like waving the, that's waving the green flag on the racetrack. Okay, yeah. It, it's like it's like on, it's like baseball, right? That's even the the, the, uh, the third base coach is giving you the yep. go ahead. Let's go, 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 go right now because they're weak. For some reason, we we found we exploited something in the defense, yeah. so they're freaking out. So let's go right now. Let's go. And if you know, if it's the same damn play, all right, let's do it. You know all what right. I mean? But you, what gives you the versatility? What gives you the versatility to at first uh, present eleven personnel and then uh, at the same time then go twelve personnel on the next on the next play on the very next play when you're having ten seconds in between snap right. counts? Tight end. You go, you know what I mean? Then, then defense is like, whoa, holy hell, they was A11. I knew what to do last play, but what do we do now? Oh, I got to go adjust here. And then by the time they figure out adjusting, we just ran the halfback dive oh, on them again. You know what I mean? And then we're going to play action the next time off the same look, but we're going downtown. Like, that's the tight end can only do that. Your wide receivers can. Tavon Austin's can. If you had yeah. a guy that can play wide receiver and also play the slide, which is Percy Harvin is what Urban Meyer likes to do. But the versatile pieces, that's what gives you the ability to exploit that weakness down to down with a simple formation change or personnel change. Which goes back to your point about how defensive coordinators have to look at it and how you have to recruit versatile pieces. Got to. Because if you're Todd Orlando, you've got to think, look, it's really twofold. Todd Orlando, like I told you, I told you guys this, and I think we saw this unfold on the field, and I, I, I picked this up at the Angelo Clinic last summer. I know I referenced that a lot, but that kind of gave me so much insight to how to what we saw unfold on the field, and you really kind of got to see it. Mm-hmm. Todd Orlando tries to approach coaching defense and calling a game defensively like he's an offensive coordinator. Like, no, I'm going to dictate the pace to you. This is what I want to do. Exactly and if right. you do something that interferes with what I want to do, I will have a counterpunch to that. So he really looks at it from from an attack mindset. He's yeah. almost first both sides. And when you start- Se- second yeah. off, with recruiting the versatile pieces, if you get yourself in a position to where they do get it, they do tempo you and they do get something wrong, you've got to have versatile enough pieces to where if they do shift into that 12 personnel look, okay, we got to be able to go four down right now because we can't have a substitution on the field. That's yeah. why your nose is so important. Your B-backer is critical in that right. situation. Yeah. And you've got to make sure, like in the lightning package, yep. if you needed to go four down and, and bring somebody else in the box, you got Jason Hall, who at 230 pounds, he can play in the you box. Do it. Yeah, and we talked about it last week about the new uh, linebacker, the new Big 12 linebacker, oh right? Yeah. The perfect Big 12 linbacker. That's why those guys are, are crucial now. Yeah. Oh, it's so huge because you're talking about the, the run-pass right? option right now. I mean, it's going to be your weak side linebacker. It's going to have to choose between the running back to the left or the tight end going behind him. That's basically, and you're playing everything off of These that days, weak yeah. side linebacker, and you're going to have yeah. one open or the other, make him commit or go. And that's why I think that you talking about versatility on defense is big, but on offense too. If you can, you see, we talk about like uh, some coordinator got in the zone. He was just every single play he was calling was one step ahead of the defense. And that really a lot of the time will come down to who has the best and most versatile pieces because then he can bring in a pass play built off of the wheel route, like you were saying, that looks like something else. But when you bring the different pieces in that are versatile, the way you have a big rangy receiver to a quick guy to get down the field, those are going to help you just like we were talking about how the versatility on defense helps you so much in, in the same situation. Man, Matt, when you talk about play callers all like that, uh, the one game I always go back to since I've been following this program was that Brian Harson game at Ole Miss in 2012, Rod. Mm-hmm. You and I talk about that a lot. Yeah. Because we saw Brian Harson right after the game, and I mean, it's like his eyes were bloodshot. It was almost like it was almost like the guy who was on a roll at the blackjack table that knew he shouldn't have gotten up. You know, like it was exactly right. If you go back and I mean, Malcolm Brown had a hundred yards rushing, and they got Marquise Goodwin involved, and there was that nice little goal line pass play right before halftime yep. to Ryan mm-hmm. Robertson. Like, oh, that was a nice call. It was just like he was like in a freaking that, zone. That would be a great ESPN uh, like special since yeah. now there are so many like head Behind coaches the that call their own plays in the college and in the pro game. Yeah. The young guys, the Shanahan's, and all that kind of stuff. 
that you find out when they've been in the zone. When, and they know they're in the zone. We need to talk to your boy Kyle. You know what I mean? When they just, boom, they just throw it out there. Like, Because I agree. I think you do get in the zone. You mm-hmm. have to. I think it's rare, too. We're talking about it's a feel, man. I mean, it's, got, it's, it's a feel. It's a feel. It's a You got to know when to call that trick. That, the play that Nick Foles calls in the Super yeah. Bowl that they have. He's like, he tells a coach. He tells Doug Peterson, hey. Let's do the with a Philly special, whatever yep. it is. He's like, you want to do it? He's like, hell yeah, let's do it. They ready to do it. They, they ready. He's like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so you got to feel it. Your coach, yeah. your players, all that, man. You got to feel we it. We saw it last year too at Texas with with Tim Beck. There were games where it's like you're just calling places. Like I, I really, and Tom Herman said you you have games like this as a coordinator where man. Sometimes you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, saying like, "Gosh, I need something." You got to work writer's here. block. Yeah, writer, right. you, you're a writer. Yeah, writer's block. You got writer's block. You're like, it's real. I, I got, I got no ideas. I got no creative. What the hell is going on? It's real. I'm thinking about this subject, and yet nothing is coming out. I think that is essentially. I think play callers go through that, and that's horrible because I. It's, it's essentially me being on air with nothing to say. Right. Which I, I've been there before, and it is a nightmare. <laughs> it, it, is. Is, it is. It is. It, it is. Trust me, it is one of the scariest things you could ever experience. Yes. Yeah. And what you're talking about people being in the zone that entire 2016 regular season that the Atlanta's offense had whenever it was yeah, with Freeman, Freeman yeah. and Coleman's first year whenever Julio oh. broke all the records yeah, oh, and no, Shanahan no. was calling all oh, the plays. Okay, it was his yeah. first year and that, I mean, just amazing. We should send Travis video. He was crew. always in his own Had Go out there That's and talk to your boy Shanahan. Maybe we should do that special. Yeah, we just we should do that. Because I play callers Because I agree. Because I think Tom Herman has been there before with Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah. When he yeah. had those three quarterbacks, he was like, I'm in the zone, baby. I don't give a damn. Who's the quarterback? Give me a quarterback. I'm cold. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, you just feel it. And yep. I think, remember uh, the Marquise Goodwin uh, Major Applewhite story? That's hey, I'm just... coming to you all day, baby. You, my inspiration. You, my muse today. I'm coming to you. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. feel it. So, I, I think you do. Yep. I'm now. Yeah, that got me pumped up. Well, <laughs> something we're going <laughs> to fill is a little time off from the Blitz again. No show next week. We'll come back at you with a couple shows in uh, early July. And then after Big 12 Media Days, we'll get back on a regular schedule. And the next time we meet. We will play the schedule game. We will start it. We're going to break it up in the force with three games over four shows. The first three games we're covering start in July 2nd. Get your thinking caps on, guys. We've got Maryland, we've got Tulsa, and we've got USC to look at to start the 2018 season for Tom Herman and the Longhorns. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rob B., appreciate the knowledge. Always fun, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game, and for he and his wife uh, welcoming their new baby into hey, the world. Hey. Yes, that's hey, why Travis is, uh, we got no video this week because Travis is uh, taking care of responsibilities. Right, for Matt, for Rod, for Travis, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, worldwide on the Horn app and AM 1260, where you can hear Rod be each and every week on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Same as plug. Thanks to Matt. You get us on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, Google Play, Stitcher, all your podcast apps and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.